It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. in the desert is upon us. It's Wilder Fury 2 in the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports has you covered top to bottom. We'll even reach around for you. We're going to hit you in all the spots. The Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear. I am on the ground in Las Vegas. It is a big time fight feel for this heavyweight title rematch. You better believe it. And I told you we got you covered. You heard our preview podcast this week with Rafe Bartholomew and myself, but today it's interview time from Media Day, and we're hitting it from all angles. You want to talk about a guest list? You want to talk about a podcast that goes out of its way to give you what I know you need, to give you what I know you want? I mean, who else, right? Who else can do that? Where are you? Right now, where where are you? Where are you, Hamed? Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? Who does that in boxing? Well, the State of Combat podcast does that. Mikey, Mikey Garcia does that too. Got to give Mikey the ball sack of the year. Yeah, well, him too, but it's the State of Combat podcast who has you covered. We got one-on-one chats today with Deontay Wilder, with Tyson Fury. With Andre Ward not only talking about this heavyweight rematch, but would he consider coming out of retirement to challenge Big Red for that 175 crown? Will Canelo talk on the timeline? And you want to talk about the broadcast team painting a picture of where we're at. We got great chats with Brian Kenny, Joe Tessitore, Mark Kriegel chatting fathers and sons. You better believe that. Gareth A. Davis, the warlock, the wild man from Great Britain, he drops by to illustrate the fight week narratives as only he can after spending significant time at both fighters' camps on the buildup. We got former heavyweight champion Prince Charles Martin on here to tell you, of course, about his co-main event bout on Saturday against Gerald Washington, who he thinks will win the main event, his thoughts on maybe facing the winner and getting back in that title picture. Fun chat there, and we... Also have Grandpa, the Bob Father. Yes, Bob. Bob Arum is here. He's back. No, we didn't get into into weed or Donald Trump. We kept it fairly serious. But uh Bob's fired up, you know, telling us about this is Ali Frazier one all over again. This is that level. Uh, I mean, certainly it's not that level because that that fight, you know, that's the fight of the century right there. That that is a unrivaled uh, event, but he's getting those feels for this. And I got to be on. And look, that's a great interview podcast. I hope you stick around for all of them. We've got we've got this fight covered from every angle. But to echo what Bob is saying, I constantly get asked this week, 
doing CBS Sports HQ updates, doing a lot of different things. You know, what's the vibe? What's the feel? I think some of my brethren in the media said it best. This feels like a Mayweather fight week and not just any Mayweather fight week. From a media standpoint, not necessarily yet from the crowd standpoint, because you really don't tend to feel that crush of people and that energy until Friday of fight week. But just from the amount of media and the the big fight field, I mean, this feels like Mayweather-Pacquiao, Mayweather-McGregor type levels. I don't think it does the same traffic, but it has that sense of regalness to it, that sense of royalty that only a heavyweight championship bout can bring. So uh great talking to Grandpa to uh to really illustrate that and paint that picture for us. So obviously he's gonna do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, enough. All right, enough, enough, enough. That that woman judge. Uh and I know what you're all wondering here. We can't wait to hear BC the rematch with Fury is he gonna send you to hell. It wasn't that type of interview. It was more of a uh more serious interview, you know. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this. Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder both were fantastic in these one-on-ones you're about to hear. I really feel like they have given unprecedented access to the media ahead of this. I don't feel like I like I have seen about fifty thousand interviews with each one. Every journalist in America, it seems like, ended up getting a one-on-one with them. They've done an exhaustive job promoting this fight. I give them credit. I give Fox and ESPN credit. I'll tell you this. This is what lets you know how important a fight is. I've been in many uh, restaurants this week, in, in bars, and wherever. Everywhere you look, ESPN's on the TV or, or FS1, and it's Fury Wilder content the entire time. Like, not even like, oh, let's throw to a pack. No, it, it's it's the entire friggin' time. So shout out to these two, and, and that was sort of my uh, disclaimer that, you know, Fury's not going to step up here and send me to hell. He's... More worried and more focused on sending Deontay Wilder to hell. But uh, a lot of fun vibes here on the fight week this week. Great catching up with people. Um, EK, Evan Korn of Top Rank. You remember him, right? 2019 uh, Content Provider of the Year. He's had a, he's had a, a hell of a amount of one-liners in the, uh, today. And, uh, yes, he's still working on getting me and Grandpa uh, with the one-on-one that I think you all need. Okay, the the the, the interview today with Bob Irmier you're going to hear is more of a one on one that you want. But the interview that you need is when Bob and I test the legalities in the state of Nevada. We test the laws. okay? because Bob, you know, he's got advice for how you can get by for the next four years. My advice to everybody who's scared to death is smoke a lot of weed. Well, we got to We got to have that conversation one day and do that conversation, Bob and I. That that would be the. uh That'd be the next level of podcasting right there. So hopefully we can do that. Bob, oh, God, that guy is full of uh, chutzpah, or chutzpah, as I like to say. And then Eric Raskin, I know you're listening. I know you're going to DM me and say, bro, can you get the... Can you get the terms right? All right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not. I'm not an Ivy Leaguer like the great Eric Raskin, 2000 Maccabee Games doubles champion. All right, we got that established. Uh, it's. <sighs> I mentioned that big fight feel. And you guys all know me, right? Like I, I'm, I'm a descendant of late '80s, early '90s when the boxing bug caught me, and the Bo Holyfield trilogy, and the Foreman Holyfield, and Tyson coming out of jail, and how big those heavyweight title fights felt. And it's just a different feeling. It's a different feeling in the early '90s. It's funny. I was in a men's room recently with, uh, <laughs> with Al Bernstein, the great Al Bernstein of Showtime. And uh, we were taking a whiz near each other. And, uh, 
<laughs> no, that was not needed. That was not that was not necessary. We didn't need to do that. But we're in the John next to each other. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you, thank you. And I told Al what I've you know a story I've relayed so many times, like. Big time boxing for me was the early 90s, Al. It was turning on SportsCenter after a pay-per-view because I didn't buy, let's say, Bull Holyfield one back then, but you damn right I illegally watched it through the squiggly lines. And, of course, anybody with a uh, scientific Atlanta cable box or whatever you had back then uh, understands. You tape the nickel down on the power button. And you're allowed to watch a scrambled version of pay-per-view back in the early 90s. You can hear the audio. You can It's almost like listen to it on the radio. You can kind of see, just like when you're doing the same thing with Cinemax Late Night, if you didn't subscribe to it, or the Spice Channel. It's like, is that a boob or is that an elbow? I'm not really sure. But it was like that with uh, the fights. So you'd know what would happen. But then you turn to SportsCenter. And it's Al Bernstein. It's Charlie Steiner, the legendary duo. And they're going ham. For like 25 straight minutes live from Las Vegas, breaking down the fight, bringing on guests. And Al and I, you know, we stood in that in that John, Johnson next to each other. And uh, we talked about those days. And uh, the whole point of this rant is when I was sitting down with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder today, I caught them feels, man. I caught them old school childhood feels. This fight matters. Heavyweight boxing is the gateway drug to get the casuals in. Not that, not that we need the casuals, but look, boxing's our broken, redheaded stepchild of a sport. We want it to matter. This matters. People care about this. And I think I underestimated the pull of this fight. And that doesn't mean this fight's suddenly gonna do two million pay-per-view buys. It doesn't mean that. It just means that people care and know about this fight at a different level than I expected because of of the the ESPN and Fox push because these are special and unique fighters Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder and we'll talk about it in all of these interviews you know I mean they're just special individuals from their height to their specific skills to their personalities and uh I think the fight that we'll see on Saturday night will be a special the first fight was very special I think Saturday's will be even better from the standpoint of like we say now, remember the Bull Holyfield trilogy? Remember how good each one was individually for its own reason? We'll say the same thing about this trilogy. And yes, I believe we're getting a trilogy out of the, out of these guys this year because if this fight does well, and I ask Bob Arum, of course, in the interview you're about to hear, you know, does that mean we get Crawford Spence? Does that mean we get more? Uh, I ask a lot of people that question. And a lot of people's takes seem to be the same. If the money's there, people will get along. But uh Bob's going to tell you how it's going with with Mr. Cancer this week. He's going to tell you about it, okay? I don't know if those two are hanging out after hours. I'd love to get to the bottom of that. But, um yeah, tell the me. The guy has balls. Yeah, you, you, you do too, Bob, for you and Al to make this fight happen. So fire it up today of uh, how you're going to hear these chats. Andre Ward gives us a really – Clinical breakdown. What a great broadcaster that guy is. Great to chat with him. And that's just Joe Tess, man. People don't realize that. Go back a long way. Joe Tess, a tour. You know, now he's your Monday Night Football College National Championship type guy. He was local news. Channel 3, WFSB Hartford, doing the sports for years. And to see that guy make that leap. To see Brian Kenny, who works for everybody, it seems. To uh to hear the Warlock, man. Get, get Sell this fight and get you fired up. Uh You know, and again, Mark Krieg, I'll say this, okay? 
we well, we love to make McCriegel, McFather, and you. And I certainly ask him about father and sons, but uh the guy was a gentleman meeting you know, talking to him at length and uh embracing him. So uh I'm excited to present these interviews to you. I hope these sprinkle on top of the feels that you already have there. Uh the tents for camping season that you're pitching for this fight because it matters, guys. You know, I've said it today, I feel like I said it a ton of times. Uh those big Mayweather fights mattered to a certain degree, you know, the non Maypack, the non the non uh May Mac ones. But you still knew it was Floyd Mayweather against Robert Guerrero or against Maidana. Now look, Canelo Mayweather was a special fight build, even though the fight wasn't special. But the other ones were like, I've seen this this movie before. I know how it ends. It ends with Floyd. We you know one one eighteen to one ten. I've seen how this movie ends. Uh I felt like the two Canelo Golovkin fights really broke up that rhythm, if you will, of of what we should expect from pay-per-view boxing at the highest level, and both of those delivered with action, excitement, competitiveness, controversy, everything you need, you're getting that as well from Wilder and Fury. Um, I'm not paid to sell you this fight. I'm not necessarily trying to. I'm just trying to celebrate that. There's a difference. They're truly selling and celebrate uh, because you are not um, – you are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. And, uh, this is, this is why we lift them weights in the offseason. This is why we tune in to all them crappy fights for, for fights like this that matter, that get everybody on board. That Mr. Cancer and Grandpa are sitting at the same table at the end of the day. We can all be boxing fans. I mean, you know what AJ said, okay? You know what AJ loves to talk about, right? Everybody's gotta eat, baby. Yes. So yeah. Yes. You know? Make that money play. Well, if there's enough money to be made, everybody will get inside the same house and make that decision. Hey, that wasn't a draw in the Dwyer house. Okay, well, the Dwyer's in transit right now. Dwyer's between houses. So hopefully when Dwyer gets it back together, that same transaction will be handling in his house. Okay? I like it. I feel it. I love it. I think that's magic. Thank you, Richie. Wouldn't it be great if Richard... By the way, here's here's what I love about... Boxing about this weird community that we've built here with this show and this audience and our and the, the various players who come in and out of our show. I ran into the great Marcos Viejas today of Fight Hub TV of uh, of Fox Sports, and we're talking. And Evan Corn walks by, and he's like, "Oh, that's Marcus." That's Marcus Viejas, the journalist. The journalist is here. And it's like, you're damn right that's the journalist, okay? You're damn right. This is the weird-ass community that we're building. Enjoy it. Just savor it. Marcos Viejas has done a spectacular job. The journalist. Yeah, the journalist. Thank you. Just wanted to, to, to get that. I just want to get that straight. All right, then. Um, I can keep going, guys. Do you want me to keep rambling? You want to talk about my basketball game? You want to talk about my hoops game? I put it on pause since that, since I, you know, I, I soiled my reputation and, and nearly broke my middle finger. So we don't have a lot to talk about on there. Um, I'm surviving. I'm surviving in Sin City. Doing well. Doing well. Um, I had a new, I had a new habit in Sin City. It's, uh, you know, there's vices that are trying to reach out and grab me. I'm trying to stay away from those, but, uh, try to go to the movie theater. Stay out of trouble, enjoy myself, get some culture. I saw 1917 last night, people. 
my God, that was a that that was a classic experience. You talk about the theater that was Wilder Fury One when your boy BC stood up at the end and my pants were soiled with sweat and I didn't know how, I didn't know why, but I know I just saw a classic. I feel like that happened in 1917, and I'm not here to tell you I'm an Oscar nerd. Not here to tell you I am the lover and go-to on the history of great war movies. I'm not. I'm not. But this, this, this experience of watching this film from a physical and emotional journey was, it's, it was like uncut gems in a lot of ways. Like the war version, the, the, the World War One version of that. This almost like first person shooter camera experience. Uh, wow. If you still get a chance to catch that in the theater, wow. I exited it saying to myself, today, I consider myself having maybe just seen the greatest movie I've ever seen. I don't know. I don't think it is in the end, okay? All right? Then Pete's not better than Tommy Boy, I'll tell you that much. But, uh, but, uh, wow. Wow. Not better than Sleepers, okay? Remember when they, when they raped those kids? Not a, Kevin Bacon did not. By the way, the only, the only reason, okay? The only reason why I always make the Sleepers joke is, uh, they filmed part of it. Randomly enough, they filmed part of that in my hometown. Remember that part in Sleepers when they started to arrest all those Horrible guards who had done those things to those kids, like Kevin Bacon's boys. They arrested one of those dudes at a condo. That's my hometown for some reason. They shot that in Naugatuck, Connecticut. So sleepers, it's not my backstory, but I lived that story. No, that makes no sense. Anyway, uh, shout out to Rafe Bugs. Please continue to read his books and, uh, go on, uh, go on the Esquire podcast there. Boxing Esquire, Kurt Emhoff. Great place to spend two hours and hear about Rafe Bugs' backstory. Um, the rambling's over. Guys, enjoy these chats. We really break down the themes, the storylines, the historical comparisons, and really get into what happens. Is Fury going to walk in there and throw punches? Is Does it not matter in the end? Because when Deontay catches up with him, when he touches things, he destroys them. There are a lot of angles. There's a lot to get into. Wow. 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 Okay. Can we? Can you serenade me a bit, T. T. Fury? Get me fired up for this interview with you. Baby, I just don't get yeah. it. Do you enjoy You're being hurt? hurt? Uh, no, it's not your perfume or the makeup on your shirt. If I was your man, if I was your man, biatch. I was in your ass. No, 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 no. All right, all right. Uh, never, Jack. I won't stop. I'll be there till I can't breathe. And on the other side. Oh, sorry. Real quick. Uh, after the interview with Mark Kriegel, I you know what I told. Mark Kriegel, the journalist, I said, you were ahead of the game. Remember that old FS1 show Mark Kriegel had about 15 years ago called Barfly? It was him and Al Bundy in a bar, and they'd have fight guests on. they talk about fights like men, because that's what men do. All right, John? That's how men deal. That's how men roll. He ain't a man. And I said to him, that show's great. It's like a video podcast with beer. You were ahead of your time. And he was like, thanks. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Al Bundy was great on that show. But who does Al Bundy think should win with Fury Wilder 2? Let's hear it. Uh, the Russian, I think, is is more to my liking. All okay. right. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. On the other side, folks, you're going to get a medley of interviews for Wilder Fury 2 Media Day. I want you to enjoy it. We're going to pause now for a word from our friends and sponsors. A lot more coming on the other side. Dig it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with the pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. The wait is over. Saturday night, the heavyweight championship rematch we've been waiting for. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, part two. Deontay, we finally saw some antics, some some craziness at Wednesday's final press conference. Put some hands on each other. Tell me what happened. Well, I think it's just the final countdown, you know, and uh, this is a, this this is the moment in time where all our emotions come out of us. You know, as you've seen in the press conference leading up to this fight, we were very cordial, we was nice, we were respectable, but this is the time, you know, this is all the preparation and and the anticipation for the fight is all coming together, and it's just our emotion, you know, uh, coming together and. We just want to let the world know that we mean what we what we say, and uh, we want to express ourselves. It's all about expression and uh, living and, and hyping this fight up, you know. As a result of sort of the antics on Wednesday, the Nevada State Athletic Commission will not let you guys go face to face at Friday's way, and we got to wait till Saturday night. You think that was warranted at this point? Well, I just look at it as you got two big giants in the ring, you know, with king mentality and mindsets. And, um, you know, if something break out, you're going to need a fleet of, of security to be able to, to get us off of each other, or get us from connecting with each other, you know. And, um, you know, I don't have no problem with it because we're ready to go, you know. Uh, I, I, I know the fans, you know, love to see the stare down and the different things that come with that. But I also know that they know what to expect because of the first fight. The fight lived up to the hype. And they're gonna live up to the, the hype the second time around. And um, with that being said, you know, I, you know, I don't have no problem with it. That first fight was an incredible split draw, instant classic. You retained your WBC title. Tyson's got the lineal title. This is one of those rare matchups where it's still unbeaten versus unbeaten. What did you learn about Tyson Fury, the man, though, from those twelve epic rounds? Well, you know, uh, as a man, you know, yeah, I like him as a man. You know, what I'm saying, um, you know, I think we both. Um, fit each other, you know, we're good for each other in this sport and boxing because we are able to express ourselves, you know, and, and say certain things and, and really mean it and, and, and be in, and get into the ring and then release our energy inside of the ring. So it really wasn't too much that as a person that um uh, that I didn't know, that I learned about him, that I already knew. As a fighter, you know, the same I think the same thing as a fighter. We knew that he was a um he come from a, a family history of, of fighters and that he was a skillful fighter. So you know, um, being able to share the ring with him for 36 minutes, 12 rounds, it, it does allow me to go back and look at video and to point out the things that I did right and the things I did wrong and the things I did wrong to be able to, to be able to correct it and to come and be able to get the best of me like I always do. Look, uh, there's been so much talk in the build about what he might do differently. Not enough talk about what you can build upon. What do you, when you look back, that fight was a draw. You didn't get the win, although you came 
as close as you possibly can. What do you need to change the second time around? Well, one of the things I think the most important thing I need to change is being patient. You know, I rushed it. I tried to knock him out, and I forced it. You know, I tried to do something that I, 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 I normally do anyway. You know, this is what got me to this point. This is my notoriety of that being in a heavyweight and a heavyweight division knocking men out. And with that, with that fight, I felt like the first fight, I felt like I had so much attention on me. We had a specific date for us to fight. You know, in America, this is not our major sport. So it get overshadowed by the other sports and, and, and we had a one day for us. I wanted, it was a star study event and I wanted to give them something. I wanted them to take home a knockout, something to say they can enjoy it and say, dang, that was a great fight. Although they did take away and say it was a great fight, but I forced it. And this time around, it's going to be like the last one. I'm going to be very, very patient and I'm going to be able to set traps and allow him to come in and, and, and execute him about him making mistakes. And a lot of people like, so, so, so when I say stay patient, it's like, are you, are you worried about winning rounds or losing rounds and stuff? Like, I don't focus on that as well either. I just go in there, I'm going there and do what I do and, uh, and have fun at the end of the day. Big story is Tyson changing trainers so close to the fight. Him predicting a knockout. Him saying he felt he had you hurt in the first fight. This time around, he'll have the stamina to finish you. How do you react when you hear that from a guy who's known as a defensive fighter? It's laughable. You know, um, I already consider his hands as pillows, and he ain't putting nobody to sleep, okay? Um, so with that being said, he don't have power as a, as a fighter. You would think um, to be a big man during that time, 250 pounds, I think that he was, because he outweighed about 50, um, 50 some. So he was like somewhere up there, 50 some pounds. And uh, you would think he, he brings power to the table. He's a great boxer, but he don't have no power. And um, for him to say he's going to knock me out in the second round and things like that, I just think that's for the build up for the promotion. And I don't, you know, and, um, but we'll see what happens. You know, you know, the, you know the saying, the, 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 the great quote from Mike Tyson, everyone has a game plan until they get hit. We love this fight because of the personalities, the size, the power and skill. But a lot of people say that when the heavyweight division is going great, so is boxing. You guys have a chance to revive from, to a certain degree. Do you feel like you get the respect you deserve in America as an unbeaten star and champion in the face of this sport? I haven't. I haven't for a very, very, very long time. But, um, you know, a change has occurred the last year or so. You know, it, the notoriety has been been overwhelming. And people are paying attention now. You know, a lot of people always write me and tell me that last fight that they attended or the last fight they watched, you know. And it's always something in the past. Mike, dealing with Mike Tyson uh, or Donda Holyfield or Lennox Lewis and stuff like that. And they always, you know, uh, thank me for bringing the excitement and the hype back to to box, especially here in America. So I think that I'm, I'm finally getting my love and my my due respect. I just need them to give me my roses now. <laughs> and you can go to your local former former uh, you go to your local grocery store and, and buy the flowers and just throw it at me at the end of the fight. <laughs> I wanted to close with this Fury Wilder two Saturday night pay per view rematch. We can't wait. I asked Fury. Are you willing to hit the canvas multiple times? What are you willing to do to win? He said, I got balls like Donkey Kong. I'll keep getting up. Are you prepared to do the same? Go down if you have to in order to win this rematch. Oh, most definitely. You know, uh, we always say we risk, uh, that we're willing to die in the ring. And uh, that's just a term that we use to let people know that we're not going to give up. And um, that's what I, that's what I'm going to do. One thing about Fury that I believe out of anything that he said that you got to nail him to his coffee. Like I told him, I brought my, my, I brought my nails and my hammer from Alabama and I'm ready to hammer away to keep him sealed on that canvas come Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to the fight.
Can't wait. Can't wait. Saturday night pay-per-view. Bomb Squad will be back. It's Wilder Fury 2. Hall of Fame promoter Bob Aaron of Top Rank just days out from Wilder Fury 2. Bob, you've been here from Ali through all the greats. What does it mean to get a heavyweight fight of this level attracting casual fans across the globe? How different is that feel and that fire for you? Well, it, it, it's not that it's different. It 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 makes me reminisce the back in March of '71, before a lot of people here were even born, where we had this great fight between two undefeated heavyweights, one who had won the title and they took it away because they deprived him of the right to fight for three and a half years. That was Ali, and the other was Joe Fraser, who had taken the title in Ali's absence, uh, was also undefeated, both in their primes. And in March 1971, in Madison Square Garden, they went at it, and the whole world snapped to attention. Well, that's what's happening here. So that's great. Makes me feel great. And it shows that boxing is alive and well. And it, thanks to ESPN and Fox, it's now again taking its place as a major sport in this country. Wow, this fight is not only bringing together two major networks for one pay-per-view, like you mentioned, it's bringing together you and Al Heyman of PBC, two guys on the opposite end of the tracks. How's business been going with Al setting this fight up? I mean, we couldn't, I can't rave enough about the collegial way that the PBC has interacted with Top Rank to make this the big event that it is. And I think we saw what was happening uh, with uh, ESPN and Fox and how well they worked together. So everybody's been pulling in the same direction. This is absolutely great. Boxing is back now, I think, as a major sport. And hopefully, uh, you know, in the months to come, uh, CBS and NBC, two major networks, will join the party. What does the potential success of this fight, not just from a business sense, from an excitement sense, due to the idea of fans who want to see, let's say, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, two guys with separate promoters and separate networks, meeting in the same ring? Well, I think it facilitates everything because, obviously, if you can bring a product to market that has this type of push behind it with major networks, it's a win-win for everybody. Now, there's always got to be a winner and a loser, but so what? I mean, it's, losing a fight is not a death sentence. Tyson Fury, the six-foot-nine Englishman, the Irish traveler descent. He's got a great following, a great backstory. But when you heard he promised an early knockout, he promised to change his style, were you nervous? Did you have a talk with him? What was your reaction? No, because, again, he's now a crank fighter. He's been trained in the Kronk method. He's going to go out and take the fight to Wilder. It's the only strategy that makes sense because if he wakes around and boxes a guy like Wilder, you know, he could win 11 and a half rounds and finally the punch comes and knocks him out. Now, if you take the fight to Wilder, you will tire him out. You will weaken him, particularly if you hit him with body shots. And so he won't be able in the late rounds to connect with that big punch. Bob, we know this is a renaissance heavyweight era. We had to wait through a long stretch of the Klitschko brothers to finally get to where we have Joshua, Wilder, Fury. we got a couple other names lingering. How would you already compare 
just from the standpoint of charisma, from excitement, how well this era is compared to the 70s, the 90s, the great eras you promoted? Well, it's a little different. You know, the difference is, particularly when we go back to the 70s or even the 80s, uh, the heavyweights were almost all American. Very, very few Europeans or Africans, all American. Now it's switched because with the birth of uh, and the salaries uh, in the NBA and the NFL, a lot of the big athletes are going into those sports in America. Now in Europe, they can't do that. Why? Because they can't be soccer players because they're too big and, and, and that doesn't fit. And basketball, like in England, is not really a very popular sport. So they come into boxing. That's why we're getting so many uh, Brits and Eastern Europeans uh, now competing uh, at heavyweight ranks. And I think that we've grown up here in the United States, so we will accept those fighters. And we have Americans, of course, like uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, carrying the banner of the Stars and Stripes. I wanted to cl- uh, say another thing about Wilder. Obviously, you have a dog in this fight, co-promoter for Tyson Fury. You saw the excitement when they first met, though, in December 2018. Wilder getting those two knockdowns. People saying maybe he's among the biggest punchers this sport has ever seen. You're not his promoter, but how much fun have you had watching Deontay Wilder's rise to this point? Well, I'm a big Deontay Wilder fan. I mean, he's uh, 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 very intelligent extremely articulate and I call him as I call Tyson Fury my super salesman because they know how to sell an event so I have nothing but praise for Deontay Wilder people say is he the hottest punching heavyweight of all time and I say well it's different because George big George Foreman uh, Ernie Shavers were concussive punches so they get a guy in trouble with the concussion, and then they would take him out. But this guy, Wilder, is a one-punch knockout guy. He hits you, man, unless you're Tyson Fury, you stay down. So it's going to be a really exciting match, and it deserves the attention that it's getting. All right, we're going to close on this. Saturday night, MGM Grand Garden Arena, of course. Wilder, Fury 2, the WBC title, the lineal title at stake. But when you look at this fight... Biggest heavyweight title fight since blank. How do you compare this? Praise the 1971. There it is. Hope you have the same success, Bob. Best of luck to you. Thank you very much. Las Vegas, the site. Wilder, Fury 2, all the heavyweight marbles here. The man who will call the fight on Saturday night in the Grand Garden Arena, Joe Tessitore. Fox, ESPN coming together for this grand event. Joe, you've been at the tops in college football and the NFL. How does this compare? Well, you know, a world heavyweight championship fight with a mega event like this is just different. I mean, it just is. Listen, obviously, when you're broadcasting an NFL playoff game, you know the tens and tens of millions of people who are watching you, and the numbers are big. This has more juice to it, though. This is something that's really palpable when you're in the arena, and those ring walks are about to happen, and that bell's about to ring, and you realize, all right, now I've got to describe this and document this to the world. So we're very excited as a broadcast crew. You mentioned the fact that it's rare to have two networks coming together, of Fox and ESPN folding in talent together. So we're thrilled with that. I'll be with Lennox Lewis, the former undisputed heavyweight champion, and Andre Ward, the former number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So we just hope to serve the fan. But the best way we can serve the fan 
is by letting these two fighters do their thing the way they probably are going to do their thing because I think we're in for a sensational fight. And just as rare to see legendary promoter Bob Arum come together with Al Heyman of the PBC at the same table. I haven't seen that on this level since Mayweather Pacquiao. When this kickoff started, Joe, you went public and said this has the potential to be the most viewed fight in modern history. Yeah. What is it about heavyweights, which I've called the gateway drug for casual fans, that you can make those type of claims. So forget the numbers of most watched. I, I, what I felt was it could be the most relevant and the biggest fight that we have seen in the modern era because there's boxing and then there's heavyweight boxing. Heavyweight boxing is different, and you're starting to see it bubble up now as we close in on this fight. What it does is it creates not just mainstream sports fan awareness, mainstream awareness. It becomes one with American pop culture. You feel almost an obligation that I have to watch this. I have to watch it. Listen, it was spoken at the Democratic debate, this fight existing. It's been talked about by people who don't regularly watch boxing. Some aren't even sports fans. It's what it does. It's like a Rocky movie, undefeated heavyweight champions clashing. It brings everybody together. It certainly doesn't hurt that both fighters can talk, that one's six foot seven and maybe the biggest puncher in history, one is six foot nine and a complicated individual. You stood between those two individuals at Wednesday's press conference. How much of what you saw and heard, which was plenty of trash talk, do you think was show or do you think was them maybe psyching themselves up for this? There was, there was no show. Trust me. There was no selling the fight. It was two guys who have only been together three times since the 12th round of their thrilling first fight in 14 months who have put all their energy for all this time into beating the other, and it just boiled over. I'm sitting there between them during commercial breaks, and we're the only three guys on stage, and trust me, there was no selling in fight. There was no show. That was all real at that press conference, and I'm just happy that I didn't turn into a human lawn dart and get thrown by one of those giants across the arena. Um, they're ready to go. They are ready to go. And I think we are going to have fireworks in the early half of this fight. Look, this rematch is, is almost unprecedented in the sense that they're still both unbeaten. They're still champions. They're coming together. I've written this week on CBS Sports that the biggest storyline to me is sort of Tyson Fury boldly declaring, I'm going to kind of try to create my own rumble in the jungle in the modern era. I'm going to walk into the biggest puncher. Can we believe him from what you've heard and seen? Yeah, I think we can believe him because if you watch the 12th round, when he gets knocked down, he is forced to step to Deontay Wilder to survive. And in doing that, it's almost like he flipped the switch and realized, wait a second, this just got easier. Wait a second, now I'm having an effect on him. Wait a second, I just hurt him. Because now he doesn't have to worry about this long range. He's in close, and he takes away that loaded rifle that Deontay Wilder has in the right hand. So I think he wants to pick up where he left off of the way he took that. However, I do think he has the ability to have a default mode and a safety net approach of saying, I can always go back to just boxing him. So I do think that will be the strategic approach. The whole thing about knocking him out in the second round, I think that's just throwing out a number. But I do think that will be the strategic approach. You're obviously no stranger to boxing. been calling it for years yeah. in ESPN with the, the great Teddy Atlas. You guys had a great run together. When you talk about Deontay Wilder as a specialist, where the one note he plays, the one hit wonder that he plays is, 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 most, is the most powerful weapon in all of sports. How rare is this in any sport to see someone with that one skill be able to get to the highest level? It's exciting is, is what it is. It's as rare as could be. God just touched him and said, son, you're going to have what others just don't. He's the best knockout percentage in the history of the heavyweight division. He describes it as a blessing and a curse, and he's right, because when you have a right hand that can knock out anybody on earth with one single punch, you lean on it. You throw rounds away. You don't have the, you don't have to work on the jab. You don't have to work on defense. You don't have to work on ring generalship because you know you have the ultimate eraser. But he's got to be careful doing that against Tyson Fury if rounds go by and by and by, and all of a sudden you look up on the scorecards and you realize, 
wait, I got no chance of winning this fight. I have to land this thing. Um, but here's what it does is it's TV gold. It's marketing gold because there isn't a second of a Deontay Wilder fight that you don't have to have your eyes glued to it. Absolutely. I always talk about being ringside for their first fight. When Fury rose in the 12th, just, just dripping sweat, and I'm just a journalist standing there watching. It was one of the most intense moments. So doubling down on that as we look ahead to this fight, the fact that we have a shot to see it another time this calendar year, knowing that the loser could activate a rematch clause, what could this do to the heavyweight division in your eyes? Well, what could it do to, to the sport? What it could do to sports? I think the winner of this, with with the mega event this has now turned into, the dual network promotion, the buzz that is roaring up as we get closer to this, I think the winner of this fight on Saturday night has the most leverage in the sport of boxing and is among the singular most powerful person in sports. Because think about it. These two guys have already brought two TV networks together just to have this event. Imagine the leverage the single winner has in terms of having things on his terms, of marketability, of future contracts and paydays. Um, I think we've already entered what is the new golden era of the heavyweight division. It was lying dormant because of the Klitschko's dominance and most of those fights being in Eastern Europe. But I think with these personalities, with these styles, and two guys undefeated in their prime, this brings us back to where the division used to be. And here's the other thing. You realize boxing never went away. Boxing was never dead. It's always greatly exaggerated. Oh, boxing, black eye from all this stuff. America really wants the heavyweights to be this, and you're seeing the reaction. Uh, I, I'm being honest. I'm as giddy. I've covered as big of fights you can get on this level. I'm giddy to see what happens on Saturday night. Fox and ESPN pay-per-view. Wilder Fury 2. One key, Joe, to close. You're not gonna, I don't, I don't well, want a prediction from you. One key yeah. that you're gonna look for early that, that tells you something as the fight goes on. Does the cut on the right eye hold up or do I start to see redness and any abrasion to the skin? Um, does that cut hold up? Critical in this fight. And can Tyson Fury have success with the plan he wants to have success with? Can he get to the inside, press the action, and force Deontay Wilder to fight on his back foot? Can't, can't wait. Fantastic. Joe Tessitore will be your voice Saturday night. Best of luck on the call, Joe. Thank you for having me. Great visit as always. Just days out from Wilder Fury 2 in Las Vegas. We're talking to the lineal heavyweight champion himself, Tyson. Just see reports from the Nevada State Athletic Commission that you won't be allowed to face off with Deontay Wilder on Friday. What are your thoughts on this? You know, I think they do the job perfectly. They know what they're doing. They're very experienced commission. So, you know, I've got to respect and uh, appreciate what their decision is there a legit worry, though, at this point on the heat level between you and Wilder that you would need to be separated? It got a little heated yesterday. Uh, we were almost at blows. He shoved me. I shoved him back. You know, when a man raises his hand to you, it's an automatic instinct to defend yourself. So, yeah, if someone wants to lay their hands on me, then I've got to protect myself, that's for sure. So Wednesday's press conference was the first time I've really seen fire out of you on this build compared to the first fight in 2018. What's been the difference for your mindset? Are you are you not looking to maybe sell yourself as much and be the wild gypsy king? You know, I'm uh, I'm just I just this camp I wanted to get back to basics, not all the the antics and all the interviews and all that sort of stuff. I wanted to concentrate on training, and I'll speak after the fight. All right, you've told us ad nauseum on the build here. You're here to fight. Second round knockout. You're not here to box like the first fight. You've got Sugar Hill Stewart in your corner. I've asked you on the teleconference. Can't we believe you? You said hell yeah. When did this sort of uh, idea come to you that I got to I got to knock out the biggest puncher? As soon as I got a draw last time, I outboxed him quite easy last time. You know, everyone who knows boxing, all the experienced guys, they all had me winning the fight. 
um, comfortably. And I didn't get the decision, so this time I took it upon myself to knock out the knockout artist. Bully the bully. All right. we You know first well out of anybody that he's a legendary puncher. Yeah. What kind of guts, what kind of balls do you need to be able to carry that kind of plan out? Big balls. And big balls I have. Big balls like King Kong. All right, we know there's potential for a third fight here. We know Anthony Joshua might want to break into the mix. Uh, what does this mean for the sport when the heavyweight division is back at this level? This is uh, the biggest thing in heavyweight division for a long, long, long time. Um, and we're, lead, we're leading and setting examples here. Um, like the best should fight each other in all weight divisions. And hopefully after this, the best from all weight divisions will start to fight each other. Now, you said in that first fight you thought you hurt Deontay Wilder multiple times. Yeah. He says, you've got pillow-fisted hands. Uh, who's right? What did you learn about the man in those sequences when you're trading punches? Well, the thing is, when I've got pillow-fisted hands and he gets knocked out by a guy who can't punch, then that's going to look pretty damn ugly on his record. So, yeah, I'll ask him that after the fight on Saturday night. Um, I learned from the first fight that Deontay Wilder's boxing ability is very limited, um, and he's just a one-trick pony. Will you be crowding him? Will you be looking to, to muck it up on the inside? I'll be looking to tear him up, hit that body like a drum. All right, fans know when you get Wilder and Fury in the ring, you can expect fireworks, you can expect anything can happen. You've said many times, they're going to have to nail you down to the canvas in order to knock you out and beat you. Are you prepared to get up multiple times on Saturday if you need to? I'm prepared to go to hell and back for the victory. There's nothing I won't do to um, get victory on the night. Biggest fight of the year, Wilder, Fury 2, for the heavyweight championship of the world on Saturday. Joint pay-per-view, biggest event. Tyson, thank you so much and best of luck. Thank you very much and uh, tune in to see the exciting fight of the century. Wouldn't be a Wilder Fury 2 fight week in Las Vegas without talking to distinguished British journalist, the warlock, Gareth A. Davis. And Gareth, nobody spends times with the fighters as unique as you do to get the real story going on behind the scenes. Tyson Fury, he's mesmerizing us with talk about a knockout. What's really going on in the Gypsy King's head ahead of this fight? I think there's loads of smoke screens, all the rumors that he's been knocked down in sparring, all this kind of stuff. Believe me, they are masters of the wind-up. We had it yesterday. We've had it all the way along. They've been putting out there. He's been knocked down. There's problems with his eye. There's two cut men in the corner. This is what the travelers do. They, they're on the wind-up. And I think we saw at the press conference yesterday, I think Deontay Wilder um, is over-talking at Tyson Fury and doing a good job of it. But his heart rate is up and he's emotional. This is going to be... I've been covering this fight for two weeks now over here. From Alabama, San Francisco, a little bit of a sojourn to here. It feels like a weigh-in day for some reason. We've been at it so long. We've been doing this 20-odd years here. feels like a weigh-in day, but we're a day ahead of ourselves in our minds. And that means that we are anticipating this more than ever. I'm so excited about this fight. The only proviso I have which I'm worried about is we don't want it stopped on a controversial cut after five or six rounds. Because everyone will go, pa, and then we'll have to do it again in a completely different way. There may be so much money we have to do it again anyway, we Gareth, will. with two networks coming together, rival pro promoters coming together. Yeah. I don't know if you deal with this on the same level uh, in the UK that we do here of the, I guess, the segregation, although that's not the best term. Uh, do you think this does open the door if the money is right? for Spence Crawford, for more of those fights that we need to see as boxing fans.
it is purely down to the amount of money and the resonance it can have across America and globally. We don't in the UK. Either Sky or BT Sport tends to get it. Um, there isn't a coming together very often in that way. Um, but I do think that these things are exceptional. Um, I don't know whether Crawford and Spence is big enough to bring the two networks together. The heavyweights are the baddest men on the planet. There's nothing like... If you're watching this, if you do one thing and you're a sports fan, get yourself to a heavyweight title fight like this at some point in your sports fan career because there's nothing like it. It is the most exciting moments in sport. And what a way to start the decade. The undefeated Gypsy King against the undefeated Bronze Bomber. Alabama versus Lancaster. It is two major houses, light and dark. And I don't mean colours there. I mean light and dark. All these forces coming together. It's going to be extraordinary. Hell of a Saturday night. Hell of a sell job right there. Speaking of colors, how about this uh, waist, waistcoat here? Always sartoriously splendid there, Gareth. But you did spend some time in Alabama. You also covered the first fight, as did I. 14 months ago was different circumstances for Deontay Wilder. He admitted that first fight. The lights were a little too bright for him. It took him a while to adjust in the ring. Where is his head at behind the scenes from the cameras in terms of his confidence level entering? Well, his body's like sheet metal, like it always is. Tattooed sheet metal. It's a very, very good point you make there. 14 months on, he's a bigger figure, two extraordinary knockouts. He's got more self-belief. He had flu last time. He's 16 pounds heavier, he tells us this time. He's grown into his championship status. Um, one of the things I will say, and it's one of the things I'm going to go on record as saying, the American media have done Deontay Wilder a disservice. He should be a bigger star than he is right now. He's a brilliant character. He's a fantastic spokesman for African Americans, for fatherhood, for being a loving person, and flicking the switch when he goes in the ring and becomes a prize fighter. I do think that he's in an amazing place. And I do think as well, Jay Diaz, his trainer, deserves huge praise. He's an acutely intelligent man. And I hope that Ben Davison, who's a similar kind of character, would be in Tyson Fury's corner. That divorce could cost Tyson Fury the fight. You never know. Because he's the guy that keeps Tyson Fury's head on the level. Given Wilder's power and confidence, if you're picking Fury... You're, you're not just picking slick boxing skills. You have to be picking internally that the great Gypsy King is just wired differently, that he's as special and as much of a fighting man as he says he is. How much of the carnival barking can we believe? I mean, is this guy truly an all-time special warrior on the inside that if it comes down to actually having to fight Deontay Wilder, that he can pull it off and find a way? Listen, how long have you been married? You know, almost 13 years. All right, well, look. When you guys get together every Valentine's Day now, it's pretty similar every time you dance, isn't it? You know? You know what each other likes. You know what you like to do. Well, this was that kind of show, all right? No, 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 but it's turning into that kind of show now. Um, no, but what I mean to say is, what I mean with the analogy is, you can't change overnight. You're built for love. We're both built for love, okay? So when you go into Valentine's with your wife, you're going to bring something. You're bringing you what is you. You'll make tiny adjustments. The more expensive roses, the better jewellery, the different the different setting, context. These are good ideas. I better write this down. Yeah, yeah. But 
What they'll both bring to this is just adjustments. Their styles will literally be the same. We are going to see the same fight all over again. We could be biting our fingernails in the ninth round. Can Fury hold on eight rounds ahead against Deontay Wilder? Does Wilder go down early and get up and surprise us? There are so many different things that can happen. It's all talk. It's all smoke screens. It's a fight in which two very clever camps, and believe me, Wilder's an elite boxer. Don't believe all the crap that he's, he's rubbish and he's got his own style. Tyson had his own style. Jack Johnson had his own style. The first man to jab and move. People have their own styles. Be yourself. Be authentic. They are both so authentic. And Fury is authentic. I know him well enough. He's unpredictable, though. And it's his unpredictability that beat Vladimir Klitschko all those years ago. It's his unpredictability in taking the first fight with Deontay Wilder that got him to round 12. He's still going to be unpredictable. He's created the debate around this fight. Will he go in and time Wilder and knock him out? Can he do that? That's what people want to know. I know, but I don't think he's the only one that's unpredictable right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're all unpredictable. The point is this. We do not know who's going to win this fight. And that's why we're all so excited. And yet, between them, what is it? 73 fights undefeated between them. 43-0 Wilder, or 42-1 and draw. And and Tyson Fury, 29 uh, wins and one draw. 73 fights. The 74th fight that these guys collectively are going to have will decide the generational leader of this era of the heavyweights. I'll have what he's having to close here, Warlock, and you've been fantastic. We talk about this reinvigorating not just the heavyweight division, but, you know, this is the gateway drug for casuals. If this fight does well, I mean, come on. What does happen next? Does the loser give us the trilogy, or can Anthony Joshua, from a business sense, crash this party, and we can go with an undisputed champion to end this year? I think if Deontay Wilder gets a late knockout, everyone will suddenly be recidivist, and they'll say, oh yeah, Fury definitely won the first fight. It's one all now. Let's do a third fight. I I think that'll happen anyway, pretty much. I think they'll have a third fight. I think the jury, the jury is still hung on, on Anthony Joshua because of his second performance against Andy Ruiz, where he wasn't convincing in the exchanges. There was a vulnerability about him. He was fine at range. He did all the right things in the rematch. But he is seen as the number three on the planet right now and he needs a strong victory against Kubrat Pulev and maybe one more for people to believe in him again right now we're looking at the number one and the number two I think Fury's the number one in the world I think he won the first fight by at least three rounds but he got knocked down and he had to rise like Lazarus um, but this these maybe these two fights will decide the generational leader for a period of time like Fury you're an original a survivor great chatting with you Who Gareth A. Davis are you willing to tell us? Uh, Wilder by knockout or Fury on points. Oh, wow. You really, really stretched the full the full <laughs> vacuum here. Wilder, Fury 2 on Saturday. Can't wait for it. Gareth, enjoy it, my friend. Thank you, brother. Just days out from Wilder, Fury 2 in Las Vegas. Award-winning journalist Mark Kriegel will be part of that broadcast on Saturday when Fox and ESPN join forces. Mark, I want to start right there. It's not only a two-network pay-per-view. We're sort of breaking the trends in 2020. Getting the PBC, getting Bob Ehrman top ranked together. How much does that add to the special quality of this fight? What that means is there was enough money in the pot for everyone to get together that the, the profit motive was so substantial it overcame all animosity. Listen, if, if King and Aram could do business back in the day, this really shouldn't be a problem, you know? 
Mark, we love your work on ESPN. Showtime before that. If you've if you've cornered the market on anything, it's it's illustrating the great relationship, specifically in boxing between fathers and sons. We got a great pairing here, and Tyson Fury and Big John Fury and that Irish traveler history and background. How much can we believe Tyson Fury and believe his family when they say, screw the boxing, we're going in there against the biggest puncher in the world, and we're going to knock him out? I think that Fury's dad, John Fury, his voice is really important in Tyson's head. Last time he told him, you're not ready for this fight against Wilder, you're going to wind up like maimed or killed or, or whatever. Obviously, he did not. This time, he's telling him, this will be the easiest fight of your life. So I don't know. I don't know what what to believe I, I do think that the, the strategic component of what he says is the strategic component is, is really interesting the safest place to be is not on the end of that long right hand you know looking at it rationally okay the safest place to be is, is inside and I think that that Fury has the technical facility to pull that off it sounds good but who knows how much you're putting that eye at risk. It rubs up against stuff. And, and Wilder can hit you with really unorthodox shots. From, from He's almost like Maidana in that respect. It's You don't know exactly the, the trajectory of, of the shot, but it's still safer to be inside than, 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 than out at distance. Um, beyond that, you will know if he was conning us or not. I think tomorrow at the weigh-in, when he hits the scales, if he's 265 or north of that, 270 is, he says, that necessitates a certain kind of strategy. That means you're not going to dance around for 12 rounds. If he's lighter than that, you know he was conning. Look, Fury can uh, encapsulate an audience, step in front of a microphone or a camera, and we have to care. I think he's sort of won this build from building that that storyline of, is he going to brawl, is he going to fight? Yet you still got Deontay Wilder on the other side, a fighter you spent some time with. Is this finally the American heavyweight star we've waited for and deserved, but maybe still yet isn't getting that full credit and affirmation? I think he started getting the credit with Fury 1. You look at the build-up after the, the, the Brazil knockout. The Ortiz two knockout, They're incredibly dramatic, incredibly destructive. I think that there were a couple things going on here. Number one, however he was promoted or not, he the history of this division, as you know, going back to Dempsey and Tunney, you you want to be an epic heavyweight, you need an epic opponent. Ali Frazier, Bo Holyfield, go on and on and on. What, what the division lacked for, I don't think it was talent. It lacked rivalries, you know, and now now you have it. The second thing is I think that people distrusted the American heavyweight in particular because he was a guy for the last 20, 25 years. The American heavyweight is a failed ball player. It's, it, it wasn't a fighter first. He was a guy who wasn't quite good enough at football or basketball. I understand that. It, if, if you're a young guy, you're 6'4", you're a great athlete, you want to live in a, in a dorm in the SEC, an athletic dorm, and get treatment, or do you want to work out like in a place that, that smells like other guys, and you absolutely know no one's cleaned the spit bucket? You know, it's not a choice. So you, I, I think that's what's hurt the American heavyweight. No one really believed in him, but Wilder is an exception to every rule. His right hand, the way he came up in the sport, none of those good athletes or great athletes won the belt except for him, except for Wilder. Wilder brings the WBC title. Tyson brings that that infamous lineal title, the man who beat the man. Those are some of the tangible things at stake. What do you think deeper is truly at stake in this rematch? 
I, I think it's like like every other fight, just writ large. What you are most scared, it's ego. And you need a monumental ego to do this job, to be baddest man on the planet. And, and this fight really is for the baddest man. And I don't care how many belts Joshua has, no disrespect to him, he is not the baddest man. The baddest man is, is the guy who, who, who wins this fight. We could be seeing a trilogy fight if the loser kicks in the rematch clause. I know we don't want to look too far past Saturday night, but when you talk about Anthony Joshua's around there with three belts waiting around for a big name, we could see this matchup a second time. You lived the Klitschko era like I did. How good does it feel to be on the other side right now? It's great. And look, the, the, the first fight I, I saw in this town was was Bo Holyfield one. And, and it, it was majestic. I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about, heavyweight boxing. And, you know, I, we didn't see that for a long time. It was other weight classes. I think in, in some measure, because there wasn't a great American heavyweight, and even in larger measure, is because there wasn't a rivalry. There wasn't, you know, um, a rivalry. So I, I think that with, with these guys, it's about, I'll call it the baddest man title, whether linear or WBC, whatever. You know this guy's, this guy's the, this guy's the bully. This guy, and the other, on the other side, it's a fear of humiliation. Can can the loser live with himself after this? And that's why I think it's, as, as, as you said, as you reported very well, the loser has the rematch clause here. That's really interesting. So it, it depends on how you lose if you want this thing again. I love that you mentioned Bo Holyfield won because as much as we're saying, oh, the biggest heavyweight fight since Tyson Lewis in 02, that had a different meaning. This feels like unbeaten Bo versus unbeaten Holyfield all over again from that standpoint. I, I think that, that, that Tyson Lewis, I, I never thought of it as a great matchup because I thought that Lennox was that much bigger and more powerful and, 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 and Tyson, the original Tyson, was, was past his prime. Um, not the case with Bo Holyfield. Not the case with these two guys right now. Enjoy the fight on Saturday. Enjoy the broadcast as two networks come together. Wilder, Fury 2 for all the marbles at heavyweight. Mark Kriegel, read his work. Great talking with you. Thank you very much. One of the gentlemen who will be on the call Saturday night when Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury mix it up for a second time. Future Hall of Famer Andre Ward. Andre, you've, you've made the incredible transition from fighting to broadcasting. Just give me a fan excitement level for when these guys finally touch gloves on Saturday. Man, I, they're a few days away, and I'm excited um, because this is almost a guaranteed great fight. Like, you don't have to wonder about this one. And, and we have a sample size. We have the first fight to go on, and, and both guys left away, left that fight dissatisfied, feeling like they got a raw deal. Deontay Wilder felt like it was a long count, and he feels like Tyson Fury should have been counted out. Tyson Fury said, dude, I took two of your best shots. I got up, and I'm still laughing at the end. I should have got the nod. So now because they don't get along, they got to get it on, and there's unfinished business that will be handled Saturday night. It was almost unprecedented to see the Nevada State Commission in response to them shoving each other on Wednesday saying, we're not even going to let them go nose to nose. Do you feel like the beef is at that level between these two? Personally, I don't, uh, but I understand the decision. You know, Bob Ben is not trying to let anything significant happen on his watch from the camps, from the fighters, where – you know, fines have to be levied. Somebody gets hurt. He doesn't want anybody to trip on his watch. He's got to do his job. I think Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are smarter than that. Um, they understand, you know, the power of promotion and just that little shove at the press conference went viral. 
they understand that. And I think they had that in mind as they, as they were, you know, promoting this fight. Now, the words that they spoke at the press conference, I feel, were re- real. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the truth is somewhere in the middle. They don't hate each other, but they're not in love. It's a lot riding on this. It's fight week. In fight week, there's a lot of nerves that these guys are trying to manage and deal with. Sometimes you see the nervous energy come out. I want to stay on that, that part about, you know, the truth coming up because you've, you've seen it from both sides. The fighters during fight week filling notebooks. Are they telling the truth? And at the same time, us journalists trying to find out what be from what you've heard from both fighters in the lead in. Is there anything that jumped out to you the most as a journalist saying, I want to poke okay. on that? What does that really mean? I think one thing I've been mulling over, you know, the last week or so is just this weight gain from Tyson Fury. Um, and even his mindset to want to toe the line and attack. Deontay Wilder as opposed to boxing more. But then I started to watch the first fight over again, and I said, hmm, Tyson Fury actually towed the line a lot more in the first fight than we give him credit for. There were several times where that invisible line was there, and Deontay Wilder could not press forward. Fury gave him some resistance. Fury's best success in the first fight came when he attacked Deontay Wilder. He would have a perimeter game plan. He would get out the way and attack Wilder, and he was he was most successful when he did that. So this game plan is not entirely crazy to me, but at the end of the night, Tyson Fury is either going to be crazy or crazy as a fox. Well, One of the two. Whether he rushes Wilder or goes 12 rounds, it's crazy dealing with a guy who has life-altering power like that and can end a fight at any time. Let me say one more thing. People are saying that it's crazy for Wilder, excuse me, for Fury to attack Wilder, but is there really a safe place in the ring against Deontay Wilder? Even if you try to box, which Fury did the first fight, was that really safe for him? You still got to dodge those big shots. You still got to try to get out the way with a guy who has an 83-inch reach. So there's really no safe place. So I'm not totally opposed to it. I just have concerns about the weight gain and the mass gain. That's my biggest concern. We talked a lot about the mindset. And, and so much because Tyson Fury is such a great quote, he sort of dominates the build-up to any fight. But from a wilder point of view, from what we saw him in the ring in 2019, is he in a much better place mentally and physically than he was entering that first fight in your eyes? I think so. I don't think that Wilder felt like he was going to get that much resistance from Tyson Fury. I mean, who would? And I told Fury to his face and said, bro, I thought that was a money grab when I first saw that fight getting made. I mean, coming off of what you came off of, you had two quick tune-up fights a month apart against guys. We don't even know their names. Why would you jump in there with this guy? But I think Tyson Fury, he's got just enough crazy to, for him to make a move like that, even when his family said, dude, you're washed up, you're done, don't fight this guy. So I think Wilder kind of built it. You know, kind of bought into that a little bit. He he knows now who he's getting in the ring with. So Wilder's going to be a lot more dangerous, and Wilder's as dangerous as he's ever been because the two fights since the first fight, he's done everything that he was supposed to do. He lived up to the reputation. So why wouldn't he be confident? These two just seem to match so well, so well together personally on the microphone inside the ring. They fill each other. Like it's scripted, right? It, it's incredible. Almost like it's scripted. I mean, to try to commit to a game plan to beat Wilder, well, it certainly helps if you're six foot nine and you're Fury and you have next level speed, I mean, it, you know, in the same re- regard in terms of his chin. What do you think ultimately will be the X factor, though, 14 months later from that incredible first fight on who may end up taking control of this fight and, and, and looking like they have it there? It's a lot of ifs. It's a lot of variables. Can make an argument for both guys. Can make a case for both guys. Both guys have some big ifs. If they do this, they can they can be successful. If they do that, they might lose. They might get caught. I've resolved within myself to present the facts, make my argument, make my case for both guys, and then to step back and let these guys be great. And they will be great, both of them together, Saturday night. That's fair. And to close here, we're, of course, fired up. 
for Wilder Fury too. But if I get a chance to sit next to greatness and he's in this great of shape, I I got I got to poke the bear coming. one more time and say, hey, there's that handsome gentleman Canelo out there who's flirting in your old division at one seven five, bro. Come on, you have thoughts. You have thoughts. I always have thoughts, but but the key is not to act on those thoughts. That that that's that's the struggle, not to act on them. I'm content, man. I enjoy sitting in my suit and talking to guys like you. You got some great votes for fighter of the decade. You went out on your own terms, and that is perfect. And we'll hear your voice, of course, Saturday night. Wilder Fury 2, the heavyweight rematch. Can't wait. Best of luck to you guys. The former heavyweight champion of the world, Charles Martin, is back in the co-main event of Saturday's Wilder Fury 2. Gerald Washington, your opponent. But tell me if I'm wrong. The idea here is we'll showcase the ex-champ on the way back up then showcase the two current champs? Are we setting the stage to get Charles Martin back in this picture? Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing for myself. You know, um, I've been working hard. I've been working hard to get back to the top. And this this night this night is going to, you know, lead me to getting back where I'm, where I'm supposed to be. What type of uh, physical or emotional transformations have ha- you had to go through since losing that title to Anthony Joshua, taking some comeback fights? We saw you in a war with Adam Kovnatsky. That was one of the better fights of the year to where you are right now, maybe, what, one or two fights out from really getting back in that title picture. Yeah, um, it's, it, it took a lot, man. You know, a lot of ups and downs. You know, I, I, I went through a lot. So um, it just it just made me stronger. How hard is it to come into the world title like you did at a young age before you really became established at that level? And what did you sort of learn from that process that you can apply now as you make your way back up? Yeah, everything, everything hit me too fast. You know what I mean? That's, that's one thing I can't say. And I just wasn't focused. You know, I wasn't, you know, taking this, this game seriously and, um, being fully dedicated as I am now. You're in there against a rugged boxer and Gerald Washington, guy with a football background, but he's been on the title level. What type of fight are you expecting on Saturday? Um, whatever unfolds, man. You know, um, I train every day to be more of a well-rounded fighter, um, able to adapt to to any um, situation and um, make the adjustments. So I'm just I'm just gonna let it unfold. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. You get a big win here. We'll be talking about you again in those same conversations with the Anthony Joshua's, with the Wilder and Fury for Saturday's main event. This rematch, who do you like? What's going to be the key in this fight between Wilder and Fury? Um, the key is going to be for both guys to stick to the, what they know because, you know, I'm kind of edging it to Wilder a bit because simply because of the fact that Fury – switch trainers you know it's only been 10 weeks and um he plans on trying to go in and do something new that he's not that he doesn't do you know what i mean that he's that he hasn't been training to do his his whole his whole career you know and 10 weeks just doesn't seem me in my personal preference doesn't seem like enough time to go in on a big stage like this and try something new uh who would you rather face um, any any guy in the in the heavyweight division. I'm I'm ready at this point. I'm ready for for anybody. I want to close on this because you came into our lives quickly. You fought Joshua on a very big stage. Now you're coming back. What do people not know about you? What did we miss about Prince Charles Martin that you're hoping to bring back out in the forefront on Saturday? Um, you 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 missed you missed a, a a whole a whole fight that just didn't happen. You know what I mean? Basically, that's that's all I can say about about that. You know, it, it just all the things that happened prior to the fight. There was no fight. Well, 
We hope you get back to that level. We wish you luck on Saturday in the co-main event of Wilder Fury 2. It's Charles Martin. Brian Kenny will be among those on the call as we join forces double network pay-per-view on Saturday. Wilder Fury 2. Brian, you've been up and down the road covering boxing for years. Why is this fight special and unique and drawing the casual audience once again? Well, it's a heavyweight championship of the world and as we know, it's not easy to get to this point. Um, you've had for years a bunch of guys with a legitimate claim to being the heavyweight champion. Um, once Klitschko lost to Fury and then Fury puts it on ice and then the emergence of Wilder, then the emergence of Anthony Joshua. So you have all this and you have the these great, huge, dreadnought, charismatic heavyweights, but who's the best? I, I've long maintained, like going back to, you know, Friday Night Fights days, way back when, going back even further, like with Kevin Rooney in Mike Tyson's gym, Custom Auto Gym in Catskill, where it's like the fans want one champ. It focuses everything, and now you know that guy's a champ, everybody's got to go through him, and it's just better for everybody's business. This is good for everybody's business. You know, we hear a lot of jokes about the lineal title. What is it? It's a mythical thing. I don't think people realize, and I'm hoping you're on board with this with me, this is the only true currency that matters in the alphabet era. The idea that I'm the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy. Can you make a, make a, can you, I know you killed the win in baseball. Don't kill the lineal championship. No, I'm big on the man who beat the man, and the champ, and for years, you know, it takes everything to kind of solidify the titles. So you always trace it back. And I've always said, hey, this guy's running around with belts. But no, Floyd's the lightweight champ. Wait, no, B-Hop is the middleweight champ. No, Roy Jones is the light heavyweight champ. Like, we know this. Even when guys have belts and you're like, hey, where did that come from? And it makes you nuts. You have to be diligent about that. I will say this. You can't put the title on ice forever. So that is the stake that Deontay Wilder, nothing is black and white here. It's not clear where Fury did beat Klitschko. He was the first guy. But he went away for two and a half years. You can't still be... You're not the champ emeritus. You can't just say... That's the reason why I know this is... I got a bad name now. But there's a reason why these sanctioning bodies have, you know, mandatory challengers. Because if you won the title, you'd be like, I'm good. You know, hey, fight. That's your toughest competition. I want no part of that guy. Give me easier competition. So what I'm saying is Fury had a right after he came back, fought once, twice to say, hey, by the way, you have to deal with me. But I'm not saying he's the heavyweight champion. I'm not saying Joshua is either. Wilder has a long enough run. What I'm saying is whoever wins this fight can absolutely say they're the heavyweight champion of the world. You've always stand firm on your convictions. You believe Tim Bradley beat Manny Pacquiao. We're not here to talk about that fight. We are here to talk about Wilder Fury 1. Who should have won that? I'd be disappointed if you didn't bring that up and cheap shot me. Great. This is like the Democratic debates. Nice. Um, I scored it 114-112 for Fury. I had eight rounds for Fury, two close, and then there's the two where he got dropped. So Wilder wins two 10-8 rounds. Two could swing either way. I try to, when I judge the uh, fight, I'll try to say if it's close or if it's clear. And look, I, I think it was a decent judging job last time around. A draw is completely fair in that fight. The way I judged it, though, I had basically Fury winning every round where he didn't get knocked down. So uh, Fury, to me, should be favored in this fight, but slight. We see what the other guy can do. You know, close with this. And look, anybody who's a betting fan, I mean, you pick any round for Deontay Wilder, you probably couldn't go wrong. But Tyson Fury says, I'm not going to box like I did the first time around. We're going to take it out of the judges' hands. Can we believe him here? Because this, to me, is the most compelling storyline entering this fight. Well... I would normally say that's nonsense. He can't possibly mean it. Who possibly would give him that advice? But if he comes in, we'll see at the weigh-in. If he comes in at 270, well, his body is saying something. Just like last time around for, you know, Joshua Ruiz, Andrew Ruiz's body said something. It said, I didn't train, right? And Anthony Joshua, 11 pounds lighter, said, I trained really hard because I was already in shape and I lost 11 pounds. So if he comes in 270, maybe he means it. And that is a brutal mistake on his part. You cannot stand in front of Wilder. Makes no sense. 
The only two times he stood in front of Wilder, he ended up on his back. It makes no sense. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Wilder Fury 2 Saturday in Las Vegas. i got to find out who your agent is. This guy's cashing checks <laughs> from all networks. Great to see you here, Brian. It's, it's an era of detente. We're all getting along. Are, Everything's good. Hey, we've got Fox and ESPN together. And you know what? These big fights should happen more regularly. Hey, Why let's not? do it. Let's do I'm willing to do it. All, all right. right. Great talking with Thank you. Thank you, man. Take care. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday, after the Equalizer, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.